Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, so we're in Acts chapter 3. We're going through the book of Acts. Uh, so we'll be here for several months, <laughs> not the rest of the year, the rest of this year and into much into next year as well. Um, but encourage you to read ahead, just like any, any student. Um, if you know that we're going to be in Acts, you know what's coming. Uh, so feel free to read ahead, and if you have any questions about anything that we are covering, please let me know, and I can uh, definitely bring it up in our message, or it may help me tailor my message if I know this is an area of concern. But I'm grateful. I don't, I'm not going to read all of I, I am hopeful. I'm always hopeful, and it's not always good, <laughs> that we're going to get through a chapter every Sunday. Um, that does not happen. <laughs> Uh, and I'm hopeful we're going to get through it today as well, uh, because my outline says I have 13 pages. And so normally I've been preaching long enough that I know how many pages I have, how long that's going to go. Um, and so normally a 30-minute message is about seven pages. So that lets you know that I'm well over. <laughs> I'm well over with my 13 pages, and I narrowed it down, and I cut some things out. But anyway, we're going to go through it quickly. So one of the things that I'm going to do is not read all of Acts chapter 3. I will assume that you've read it ahead of time since you knew we were going through Acts, right? That's the wrong assumption, but I'm going to assume it anyway. Uh, <laughs> and if you have not read it, then you have an opportunity after service to read it or even during service. But uh, we're going to Acts chapter 3. We're just going to jump right in So and just kind of set this up. So we were in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fell on uh, at the day of Pentecost and, and many signs and wonders, and they spoke in tongues and were being done. And Peter, the great man of God, preached an awesome word at the end of chapter 2. And then we go into uh, and talks about them uh, working and fellowshipping with one another. Cornelia, they're fellowshipping with one another, and they sold their possessions and goods. And they had all things common. And the church was uh, just really about being with, each, being with each other, having community and loving on one another and showing the love of Christ at, during that time. And so people, they marveled at how they really shared with one another and love and had really true community with one another. And so now we go into chapter 3 where Peter and John are out uh, going to the temple as they usually do. Uh, even they did this with Jesus and they were going to pray and at the time they were going, this is the time that they would pray. Sometimes they would go to the temple to offer sacrifices, but at this particular time they were going to pray. And I can imagine that they did not go anymore to offer sacrifices because the sacrifice had already been made. The ultimate sacrifice and uh, Jesus' death had already been made. So they did not need to go to the synagogue for sacrifices anymore that they were going to pray. Uh, and again, this is the early church, so the early church was still going to the synagogues. They were going, that was when they were meeting. They didn't have a church gathering. They weren't separate from the Jews. They were a part of the Jews, and they felt like, hey, we're the early church. We're going to the synagogues as we normally did. And they saw a lame man uh, who was lame from birth. And so we're not giving this guy's name. Uh, we're just giving his circumstances, the situation that he was in. And so many times we are identified by our own circumstances or situation. And in this particular scripture, they don't give a name, but they said he was lame. It wasn't his fault. He was lame from birth. Um, and, and that was it. And those are the details. And he was sitting at the gate called Beautiful. And so this is interesting. You can juxtapose this beautiful gate with this lame man sitting beside it. And so the 
there's a title in, there's an ugly situation at the beautiful gate. It's not for this particular moment, but <laughs> there's an ugly situation at the beautiful gate. And this man whose situation is that he's lame and he's at this gate asking for alms, asking for money. You know, if you imagine that he's a beggar asking those nice people who are going into the church, which is, uh, which is good to assume because those people normally would be willing to give and give of, the, give of themselves and give some to uh, those who were lame. And so he was out offering, asking for alms. And so Peter and John were headed into the temple, and they see this lame man. And then they, Peter, the rock, <laughs> the transformative Peter, uh, looks at this lame man who's asking for alms, and he says, you know, I, I don't have that. I don't, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And just like that, in a moment, this guy has been dealing with this situation for X amount of years. He could do nothing about it. You know, this was his problem, his fight from birth. He didn't sin. It didn't say he sinned. And it's one thing when you're in a situation where you cause the issue, and you can understand that some, but there's a whole other thing when I have no control over this situation that I'm in, and I'm in it from birth, and this is what I dealt with. And just, and you can imagine he's sitting there for years, years he's dealt with this. And in a mere moment, God transformed his situation. And it wasn't what he was expecting, you know, it says that he was, he gave them his attention. So the beggar saw Peter and John. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. I guess because they locked eyes and they looked at each other that he just knew, oh, they're going to give me what I needed. They're going to give me some alms. They're going to give me some money so I can make it through the rest of the day or the week or whatever. But that's not what they gave him. And there's a sermon in, uh, expectations in this as well. There's so many layers to this. I love this uh, passage of scripture because what he was expecting was he was expecting one thing, but God gave him so much more than what he was expecting. And so many times our expectation does not meet what God wants to give us. We're expecting uh, a gift that's going to get us through the week, and God is wanting to transform your whole life. From a gener- for a generation. And we're expecting something temporal, and God wanted to say, I want to impact you so greatly that not just you feel it, but your g- the generation to come will feel what I want to do in your life. And so he was expecting one thing, but the Holy Spirit had another thing in store. Um, the lame man simply wanted to be supported in his condition that he was in. <laughs> And isn't that so many times? We, want, we just want to be supported in our condition. We're not necessarily wanting to change our condition. Just support me. Just get me along the way. Uh, but God wanted to do something better. Jesus wanted to completely change his condition. And in the, in the condition that he had struggled in for years, since birth. And some say 40 years. I, I can imagine it was, it was a long time. But since birth, he struggled with this. And here he is now. Lord, the Lord is able to transform his situation, and late in the midnight hour, he can turn it around just like that. And so there's the power of God. And so many times we don't realize it, that if we really tap into the power of God and what he can do, he can transform your situation. 
not just placate, placate your condition or give you alms. On alms, I'm sure, made him happy. I'm sure that that money that he gave, the people gave him, made him happy. And so many times, we are okay with just being happy. And happiness is dictated on what's happening in your situation. But the Lord wants to, when you're, ha- when you're okay with being happy, you miss out on the joy the Lord wants to give you. And the joy is in him. And so your joy is not based on condition. Your joy is based on the condition that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. There, I can, there is what I can have joy in. But happiness is that when it can go up and down. I can be happy one day. I can be happy in the morning. I can be sad in the afternoon because of the condition that is in. And that is dictated by other people. And I'm sure this man was, that was a beggar was happy sometimes when his cup was filled and was not happy when it wasn't filled. And God has so wanted to do more than just placate your cups. I wanted to make you happy or sad, but he wants to change your condition. And however long you've been in that condition, whether it was a mere hours, years, decades, whatever it is, that task is not too great for our God to change around. And I think that's where we get hung up because we assume that God has forgotten about us. And I can imagine, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, uh, this guy, so this is a temple, and Jesus, being a devout Jew, went to this temple many times. And I can imagine this beggar assumed that, well, I hadn't been healed, and Jesus came by, and I've heard that he was a healer, and he never healed me. Because this guy, let's let's set this up now, this guy has been at this gate for years. He was a staple there. People knew there's a guy that sits at the gate of beautiful. Jesus went in and out of that temple, I'm sure, several times. Even in his last week of his life, he went to the temple to pray, which was customary for him. And I'm sure he felt like, I've missed my opportunity because now I've heard this Jesus that I was looking for that could have healed me has passed now. He's dead. But wait. <laughs> But he didn't realize that we have the Holy Spirit and that there was an empowered Holy Spirit vessel in the name of Peter that was going to walk by. And at the appointed time, and sometimes the will of God is as as important as the appointed time of God. And sometimes, so many times we focus on the will of God, but the timing of God is just as important because you could be in the will, but out of the timing. And you may seek the will, and it's not your time, and you feel like I'm out of the will because it's not my time. No, it's just not your time. You're in the will of God, it's just not time. And so the time, and that beggar now met the will of God and the time of God in his healing, in his condition to be changed forever, not to go back in the vessel and the Holy Spirit using Peter to see him and I'm sure that he even questioned, like, uh, and Peter had to take a leap of faith uh, in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because Peter, now, and now we know Peter as an apostle, and we look at Peter as this great man. But ultimately, Peter was, this is the same Peter that a couple of months ago was denying Christ. Let's keep that in perspective. And that did not disqualify the Holy Spirit from using him to heal someone. Y'all, let me say that again, because y'all didn't get it. <laughs> The same Peter that denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, is the same Peter 
couple months later that the Holy Spirit is using to heal this individual at the gate. Your prior whatever does not disqualify you for being used by the Holy Spirit. And whatever that is, you can fill it with whatever you want to fill it with. Your prior whatever, and it could be yesterday, it could be a month ago, it could be years ago, does not disqualify you from being used by the Holy Spirit. That's good. I'm encouraged by Peter's being used by the Holy Spirit because I know I have some priors. I have some presents. <laughs> and I'm sure I have some futures. <laughs> but I am encouraged that the Holy Spirit did not disqualify me because of it. But because of it, I think Peter had a heart to say, I realize the transformation that God has done in my life. And so therefore, I see this beggar and now know that he can do the same in his life. It wasn't just a theoretical thing now. It was like, I've lived this because I know it for myself. I've seen the Holy Spirit now transform me from an unlearned fisherman to now this man who's going around and preaching out demons and healing and thousands of people are being saved. And Peter knew, hey, it's not of my own work. I can't take, uh, I I can't take the uh, notice for this. It has to be the Lord. It has to be the Holy Spirit working in me. So it's not how good I can be. It's not how great I can be. But it's how much I can lean on his spirit to really lead and guide me to do the work that he's called me to do. So uh, Acts 3, 7 through 10, he says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So So he, the man, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that he was he who sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And they knew who he was right away because they knew his condition. Like I said, and they never mentioned this man's name, but they knew everyone knew who he was based off his condition. And they took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And so he said, rise up and walk. This wasn't something Peter did as a whim or a promotional event. He did not... Uh, do it under specific. He did it under specific prompting of the Holy Spirit. God gave Peter the supernatural ability to trust him for something completely out of the ordinary. So Peter was now doing what his uh, master, his teacher, has showed them to do many times before. And the man came out leaping, using what Lord had healed uh, to now immediately go and go running and leaping. It did not say that he had to crawl. It did not say he limped. It did not say that he had to learn how to walk. Because this is a man who has never walked. Now, been touched by the power of God, is able to do all those things in a mere moment. Late in the midnight hour, he can turn some things around. (laughs) And so the people acknowledge this and say, hey, isn't this the guy who was at the gate? And now he's up running around. (laughs) And then now Peter... Uh, starting in verse 11 of Acts 3, begins to preach. And so this, it's really good. It's, let's look at how they saw this sign and they were amazed, but really the power comes in the word of God. <laughs> uh, Peter knows that saving faith did not come by seeing or hearing the miracles, but rather faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
so they needed to hear the word of God that Peter was going to, going to uh, teach them. And so now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, and he wasn't holding on them uh, to need it, he needed support. Maybe he was holding on. Maybe they were holding on to him so he would stop jumping and running around. But uh, he was holding on to them, meaning that he was with them now. You know, because of what they had done, I'm holding on to these guys. These are my guys. My deliverance came through them. And so now I'm holding on to them. All the people ran together to them to the porch, which is called Solomon's, uh, greatly amazed. So then when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Peter's getting ready to lay it on them. He started out by saying, this is not our doing, but this is by the Holy Spirit. Let me get to that. All right. He said, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of the fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate. When it was determined to let, when it was determined to let him go, when he was determined to let him go, but you deny the Holy One. So again, Peter is preaching, and, and some of these small things you don't pick up. But now he's saying you deny the Holy One. The Holy One being that the Jews believed the Holy One was God, and so now Peter is making a proclamation that Jesus was God. He was the Holy One on in flesh, and you denied Him. He was with us, and just asked for a murderer to grant. Uh, just and ask for a murderer to be granted to you. So this is talking about Bar- Barabbas. They chose Barabbas, the murderer, over Jesus, who was innocent. Um, let's go to 15. He said, and he killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And in his name, through faith, his name is made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him, has given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So that faith is giving him perfect soundness. This guy wasn't out of his mind, and neither are you out of yours. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did not do this in ignorance, meaning that you did not kill Jesus in ignorance because you did not know. And so Peter is just pouring on them this word. And he wants to, I want to get to the point where, um, for the, for the use of time. I want to get to where, because this is a pattern that we talked about in uh, Acts 2, and we're seeing it again in Acts 2 and Acts 3, where in verse 19, he, Peter is always going to say, he's going to talk about Jesus and him dying on the cross, and then he's going to ask you to repent. And so in 19, he asks, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. And this is where I want to focus on. That repent, therefore, and be transformed or converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing. How many of you need to be refreshed? (laughs) So many times we talk about revival and, you know, what that looks like. But this is what it is. When you repent. <laughs> and the blotting out, the ink in their time didn't have acid in it. And so you could actually blot out the ink. You use a, a rag and a wet rag and you used to wipe it out. And so it would wipe it out completely. And that's what he's saying. I want to 
blot out your sins, wipe them out completely, so that you, so that I can refresh you. And that's good, y'all. <laughs> because so many times we just get complacent. And especially if you've been waiting, and I can imagine, you know, you can, you can have this juxtapose where you waited for so long for something. And just like Sarah, when she was promised a child, her, her initial response was like, oh, I'm excited. She laughed because you, you waited all this time, and now you wait until I'm old. And sometimes that's how it is, because you've waited for so long that our response is not always, oh, I'm, I'm grateful like this guy is, but, man, I could have used that 10 years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago. But the promises are at an appointed time. The will of God is for an appointed time. And it wasn't time for Sarah at that point. But then I also think of the juxtaposed, but the, but the promise was granted to her. And she bore a child. And then I also think about, I mean, Paul later on, when Paul asked for the Lord to remove this thorn out of my flesh, and I'm sure he wanted a refreshing, and he felt like this was bothering him. And the refreshing that he got was, my grace is sufficient for you. That's a tough word. That's tough when you've been dealing with something for so long. But in the end, we both, in Sarah's situation where she responded in the way that she responded, and we still gave, got the blessing, and even this guy's situation where he was healed, and in Paul's situation uh, where God said, my grace is sufficient, uh, ultimately, in all of them, his grace is sufficient. And so when we make it not about ourselves, not about the situation, not about what we're going through, but when we make it about him, then his grace will always be sufficient. And so even, even when I'm sure this lame man, uh, this beggar who was sitting at the gate of beautiful, felt like he had missed Jesus because Jesus has passed by so many times. And I'm sure he's heard of the miracles. Um, if he was a believer, it doesn't say that he was, uh, but that God's grace is sufficient even through the trying times. And what he wants is us to repent of our sins so that be blotted out so that the times of refreshing could come. So that the wave of the Holy Spirit can just move upon us freely. That there's no hiccups and there's no, well, I need to go and get this right with this brother. I'm thinking about this on one side. I'm thinking about this over here. But let me, let him blot it all out so that the Holy Spirit can just refresh bring a refilling, a re restoration, a refreshing in our souls. So that is the only way it's going to come, is that we repent. That we go and seek the Lord and, and bow before him and turn from our ways, be transformed by his power, and that we repent and that he can refresh us to strengthen you and to make you whole again. 
you know how when you're parched or when you haven't had water in a while and you just like, oh, I, mean, I really need some water, I need some water. And then that water is so refreshing. You feel it through your bones, you feel it through your whole body because you needed that. And that's what he's saying. I need to do that for you. I want to do that for you. I want you to feel me through your bones and through your whole body. The Holy Spirit just wants to press himself in and through you to refresh you so that you can go about and do the work that he's called you to do. Through faith in his name, through the faith in the name of Jesus. Uh, To trust in good intentions, no. To trust in talents, no. Uh, We don't trust in material resources. To trust in reputation or prior prior successes. We don't trust in our hard work or smart work, but we trust in the faith in his name, which is Jesus. That's why our trust has has to lie. So no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation is, my faith has to be in Jesus and what he's done and not what's going on. And so Peter explains the suffering of Jesus. You know, in verse 17 and 18, you know, brethren, and I know uh, you did not do this in ignorance. Uh, you did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. And so he's again what, talking about what Jesus did on the cross. And then that leads him to verse 19, repentance. Peter calls for them to repent. Um, one, he wants them to repent uh, so that your sins would be blotted out. That's the first thing. He wants your sins to be blotted out. That's the benefit of repentance. Uh, that's a great benefit, by the way. <laughs> Just not look over that. <laughs> that is important, that your sins be blotted out. White clean. And that you be converted. So not now you white clean, and now you are converted. You're transformed. You're converted to the image of Christ. You've been made a new creation. So my sins are forgiven, and then now I can convert and be translated into him, be more like him. The imagery of this is being converted is running into a city of refuge, um, turning to God, turning away from the sin or whatever the other things that I was running towards, but now really focusing on God and turning towards him. I'm going to go ahead on and get, in, get close to ending here. Uh, the lame man at the beautiful gate some, uh, wanted something, but God wanted to give him something much greater. The same can be dr- generally said about the Jewish people Peter preached to. They were expecting a Messiah. They wanted the Messiah, and they thought the Messiah was going to come in a political party or a military party. Uh, but God, in his infinite wisdom, knew that he was going to send something much greater than just a political party or a military party. He wanted to send something for everyone uh, so that their sins would be forgiven. He knew that was going to be greater than any military or political Messiah that they were looking for. And So sometimes your expectation is not in the right thing. We may be expecting the wrong thing, but God is wanting so to do far above and beyond what you're asking or thinking. He's wanting you really to see him 
and know that he can, in his transformative power, change your situation. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.